I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Utah Puck Report. I'm your host, Jay Stevens, and I'm stoked to be here. We're going to call this episode 243, but uh, no, let's, I think we're in the episode, we're in the 40s. We're in the 40s, so we're, we're proud about that as we're starting our second season here. And I've got a very special guest today, uh, a guy I consider a friend and I've had, had some good experiences with, Peter Menino. Peter, how are you? Doing good. I consider you a good friend as well and you know appreciate our interaction. Yeah. Uh, throughout my career and, and then some. Yeah, so I, I met you as I was an equipment rep, and uh, it's funny, I, w- I was flying into, uh, I don't know if you know how I got your number and everything, and this is how I, I kind of uh, tracked you down, is, um, and I'm forgetting his name right, right now, but I think it was your goalie coach at DU, and I was flying into North Dakota, and I happened to be on a plane with them, and... Uh, he he was asking me what I was doing on the plane or whatever because it's just one of those small you know twenty seaters going from Minnesota to North Dakota, and he was asking right. me about uh, you know I was I was going there to sell Brian's equipment to the goalies at North Dakota, and you weren't yet you weren't at Denver University yet, but they knew you were coming and they wanted me to make sure you were taken care of. So yeah. Anyway, so that's how there, I there, I got to know there you. There we go. Yeah. So that was. Uh, it was a good introduction. I tracked you down and, uh, you know, got to start making your, your awesome Brian's gear for back in the day. Have you, uh, do you yep. keep, do you keep track of what guys are wearing these days? Do you watch some of the, like, do you keep track of any of the, the equipment these days? Yeah. You know, you, when you're involved in hockey, uh, at any capacity and then in coaching and then you have your particular field, I was, Telling uh, my cousin, who's the general manager here in Des Moines, the other day, I said that you're forever learning. You know, and you got to stay. You got to stay up to uh, the times because uh, hockey changes. We all know it's fast. There's less fighting, all this stuff. It's you know the, the cliche stuff that everybody talks about, but it's the truth. And it changes within two years, three years, four years, five years. And then when you get into specific positions like goaltending, I mean, oh my goodness, yeah, it's really or, it's know, really or, changed. Or, yeah, you, you don't have boots on skates anymore, or the cowling on skates anymore. You know the pads are—they're all different. So I, I always keep in a, a track on that. What guys are using, seeing the brands, but obviously I always have the soft spot for the stuff I used uh, with you and and all that. But no, I think you have to, or you're going to get passed behind on that stuff. Do you still put on the pads every once in a while? Go out and uh, take shots. <laughs> you know, I, I did. Um, I did not last year at Miami, and I did I, I did not at uh, Omaha. So the two years of college, I didn't. Point being, you're just so busy. You know, there was so much stuff going on between recruiting, you know, prepping for practices, uh, defensemen, you know, practices, splits, whatever. You're you constantly have something going. Uh, when I was in juniors in the USHL, um, I did. 
I did. Uh, thanks, hon. Um, and uh, I, I, I did put them on. I got. I was in pretty good shape there, and I would do goalie sessions and throw the stuff on. And it, and it was awesome, Jay, because you were able to like firsthand do things with the guys. And I remember uh, one of our goalies, Daniel Vladar, he's a third rounder to the Boston Bruins, and he was like, "Oh, I like what you did there. This, this, and that." And I was like, "Oh yeah, that." That was something I just a habitual thing that you do, and I didn't realize. And then I started to kind of work things with them one on one, but actually doing it, you know, with the gear on. So I, I did. I would like to. I just hope I have the time. You right. know what I mean? Right. Well, let's let's talk so, about all that. Let's talk about what's taking up all your time. But first, I, wrote, I want I want people to know uh, one of the one of the reasons I'm having you on the show is you have a connection to Utah. You played here for the Utah Grizzlies. Yep. Um, briefly, and uh, I've got a story yeah. around that too. But uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I know you're from you're from Michigan, right? Yep. And tell us about growing oh, up. Farming, and Hills. what's that? For, uh, I grew up in West Bloomfield, and then we moved to Farmington Hills. My parents are still there, and my family, yeah. So very much uh, um, based out of Michigan for that part. When did you get into hockey? Uh, right off the hop, my dad was a uh, big hockey fan. Uh, he worked. He never played sports. He's just was always busy kind of, uh, uh, you know, doing his, he had lawn mowing, uh, family, uh, had a pizza business. He was always, uh, delivering pizzas, doing lawn mowing. And then he inherited, uh, being the third generation. He's a produce purveyor, middleman up at 3am downtown Detroit, basically loading up a truck, getting, getting orders and then distributing them. So he loved sports, loved hockey. My two uncles played it. And uh, he got me on skates when I was like three, four years old, and my sister figure skated. So it was it was young. I, I definitely skated right away. Okay, and then you you came up. Uh, you play high school in, in uh, Michigan. Doesn't everybody? I did not. Doesn't, oh, okay. I was going to say doesn't. I mean, everybody no. in Michigan is a hockey player, though, right? It seems like that's the yes. the predominant sport. Michigan's a you know they call it whatever the, the debate hockey town, right, and whatnot, but. Uh, Unbelievable um, draw there for Michigan. I mean, you have, you know, you have Mecca, Minnesota, the East Prep schools, um, and then uh, Michigan's right, kind of right there between them and Illinois for producing players uh, for the United States and great travel programs. Um, those, and I, I just say this, just based on facts, right, is those those uh, youth programs, uh, Compuer, Little Caesars, Honeybaked, et cetera, all of them, Oakland, they're the route to get the best exposure when it comes to Michigan. Uh, Michigan high school is good. Like, I've drafted, I've committed kids uh, from college, I've drafted in the USHL, um, great players. It's just far and few uh, rather than the travel route, just a higher level. Right. And what what did you play when you were there? Play travel. Um, I, I was on. Uh, I was on the first ever. And you're familiar, like the Honey Baked uh, travel team. There, I was on their first or second year when they played with their age group. I I jumped on that team and I was on Honey Baked uh, all the way until I kind of jumped around a little bit between Cleveland um, and then went up to junior hockey. So I, I did play um, local, um, like the local club. Played for Fraser Falcons for a year and then went to Honey Baked. And did that for a while. So yeah, those are those that was kind of my those, roots. <laughs> sorry. Those teams you mentioned are the teams that everybody else kind of gauges their self for, about, right? Like for for us as Utah teams, we're like our our teams will go to tournaments and we'll say, hey, they they you know they played Honey Baked or they played Little Caesars right. or they played Shattuck. 
or and they played these teams, or they played a team that played that team that barely lost to that team, and that's kind of <laughs> you know that's kind of how we gauge ourselves. Somebody's second cousin, whatever. It's you know that's yeah. those teams that you're mentioning. Yeah, they're legendary, and that's so you you play honey baked, and then it's time to go play juniors. And I know you didn't go right to the USHL, right? You had a you had a step first. No. Yeah, so like I said, and, and just to real quickly go back on that, it's amazing, like you said, uh, being a part of like Honey Baked, and I give uh, Lou Schmidt, he was my, you know, uh, basically first coach when I hit travel hockey, and fa- their family like owned Honey Baked Ham, the ham company, and then he he started up Honey Baked uh, Hockey, and just like you said, now today people are gauging off of all of their youth programs and. Uh, his son Louis and I were very close. We still are in, in many ways, but it's really cool to see the passion that people can put into it, and it still goes on today to gauge against them, um, you know, in in the world of hockey. But I, you know, I did that. I did move one year. Uh, one year I played up. I played Little Caesars. Went back to Honeybake, and then I did. I made a decision. It was kind of wacky, but uh, one summer, I, my parents and I, we were like, I think we're going to move on from Honeybake. And we played a couple uh, tournaments in the summertime with uh, the Cleveland Barons. And I got to know uh, Tommy Goble, uh, Danny Fritchie, a bunch of those guys, not leaving anybody's name out. But all of a sudden became really close with them, started to play like two, three summer tournaments. And they were like, hey, like, come play for us next year. And this this was crazy, Jay. Like, I didn't even know if it was uh, NCAA approved or whatever, but they were like, stay in Michigan your freshman year practice in Michigan and then fly out on Tuesday nights to come practice with us. And then we'll just meet you on the weekends for games. And I was like, and I started to become, I started to become like best buddies with those guys in the team. And my parents were like, you know, okay. And they had a deal. They hooked up the flights and all this stuff. And and I did that. And then from the next year after that, I was like, I'm going to move out to Cleveland and, and play there with the Barons organization because the people were awesome. And it was the same level. And, we could go up against Honeybank to try and beat him, you know, and stuff like that. I've seen a lot of shots. And so I did that. And then I climbed uh, into the junior ranks with the Pittsburgh Forge, North American Hockey League. Um, and uh, Jason Kohler, uh, former GM of the Youngstown Phantoms, I think he's with the uh, Tri-City Storm now, the USHL. I uh, give him a lot of credit. I say his name because I you know him and his crew. They, they found me. They brought me to Pittsburgh my halfway through my senior year and they gave me a shot and from there i i, I climbed from there so okay so you spend uh half a season and then a full season in pittsburgh and it's funny because yep. you and i talked about this a little bit but uh that's when you come across is that the first time you come across jordan breezy who we had on the show last week yes yep jordan came in that that first year uh they brought him in he, i forget the time frame he was there but he was with us for a little bit and I remember hanging out with him, practicing with him. I mean, him and I were like, you know, the, the, the ultimate competitive goalies, like kind of even, I'm sure, looser in, techni- in technical terms, but we wanted to win no matter what. And having him in practice and kind of bringing in a third guy up the competition, right? Because everybody, you know, you, you shake the cage a little bit. Right. Uh, but he was great. He was great. Yeah, we, we hung out. I remember hanging out at parties, just stuff like that. And he, he was a really good guy. And then, Obviously, our um, our paths crossed later on in college. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that too. I love that. I love that. And, and Jordan was—I was telling you—I was going to have Jordan on the show today, and then he ended up getting a, a, a 
interview or a job thing he had to go to today. So it kind of oh, sucked because it, it would have been really fun to have you guys talk about that together because we talked about the game seven yeah. C lost back in the day, but or you know the championship games he lost. You're on the other end of that, so let's we'll talk about that in a bit. So uh, you you do the NA and then it's you know you you do two seasons in the or a season and a half with Pittsburgh, and then how do you end up in the USHL? Yeah, so the half the year, uh, they said, we're going to get you 10 games in. We want to get you experienced. You're going to be, you know, you'll have the opportunity to be our starter next year if all goes well. Um, I said, awesome, you know, and, and I was excited to move to Pittsburgh. Um, played the half the year we lost in the national championship game. And the next year, you know, I came back and battled hard and was able to do well. We, we won, we won the national championship, won the regular season as well against the Texas Tornado, which is a legendary organization. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so we, we won that. And, and so during that year, um, I committed to the University of Denver. Um, so I, that's where I talked about Jason Kohler and my, the whole staff there, Kev Constantine, Chris Iams, John Mechanic, Jay Verde, like unbelievable people. And to uh, have the opportunity from them and then getting the exposure from, the, you know, from the school that I went on to play college hockey, which uh, was, was special, you know, and I really owe them that. And um, what happened was, though, that last year, if you remember, Jay, the NAHL, the, the uh, USHL went tier one. So they basically were going to take care of everything, you know, go on par with the OHL, CHL, all the other leagues. And the NA couldn't handle all those expenses, you know, like all the equipment, all the housing fees, like everything went on on board. So the NA lost a bunch of franchises. Pittsburgh was one of them. Okay. Pittsburgh, Compuware, the Chicago Freeze, Danville left and went to USHL, um, Springfield. There was a, it was a major landscape change in the NAHL. And there used to be the AWHL. And that combined with the NHL, Billings, Bismarck, all those teams came into the NA, and that's where everything changed. And so at that point, this is crazy. Like, we literally finished our national championship game. I remember walking off with the guys, the trophy, and you had USHL teams there shaking our hand before we jumped on the bus. And I'm like, going, what is going on here? Wow. You know, and they knew, yeah, they knew kind of even before we heard rumors, but we were so young. We're like, sure, we're going to be back next year. It's going to be fun. And they were like shaking her hand, being like, we're going to be poised to go after you to bring you to the USHL, you know. And and that's kind of what happened is that summer I knew Pittsburgh was going to be folded or, or they were going to be bought by a different uh, franchise. I think they went to Toledo. And my coach was gone and the whole relationship was gone. And I decided to uh, listen to these, you know, multiple USHL offers, and ended up signing a tender and going to Tri City in the USHL. Wow! See, I didn't know any of that history. That's crazy. I didn't know that that's the year. I'm, I mean, I knew that some of that had happened, but I didn't realize it was yeah. like such a hard transition. Like all of a sudden, this happened, and teams are gone. So that's gone. that's got to increase like, the the play. The USHL has to become a lot better at that point too to pick up the best of the best out of that other league because sometimes yep. that kind of dilutes a league right if you have players that should be right. in that league playing in other leagues so. that, that, that that was the massive change and uh that kind of switched everything and the na was really because you yeah it was kind of like the pecking order you know ushl and then nahl was right on par i mean our pittsburgh team i think there was only one kid that didn't have a, a college scholarship 
and, and I say that in the sense of we had NHL draft picks. We had guys going to Wisconsin, Denver, Michigan State. I mean, you name it. They were right. going across the nation in the best colleges. Uh, College Shields went to Maine. One was an SFU game. I mean, these are guys that went on to have prolific careers in, in, in the American League and NHL games and all that stuff, which is the USHL. And then after the change, uh, it kind of, just like you said, it diluted it a little bit. And I think the NA has done a nice job of climbing again, but the USHL kind of took over that that top level. You can see with all the draft picks they have every year. It's, oh, yeah. it's one of the top. It, it's the top junior league in the world, I mean, when it comes to those draft picks. So that's where they really kind of took off, like you said. And the NA has done a good job of getting very solid and, and being a very big piece of the puzzle. But it was a big landscape change for sure. So you uh, you go in, you have a good season uh, with Tri-City. I, I think you played uh, 40, uh, 37 games. I've got your stats right here. So you played 37 games with them and uh, another good playoff run for you. And uh, and then off to the University of Denver. Yeah, it was a heartbreaker. We we had a great team. Um, Blitz Littler and Coach Rudrud, uh, they, they put, the, like you said, they went and they got myself, my other teammate who went to Ohio State from our Pittsburgh team, they went all over and they pieced together. Uh, it was a special group. You know, we won we won the Anderson Cup. I think we had one of the best records in the USHL for regular season. Um, it, it was awesome. You know, everybody was going to college um, if they if they could uh, eligibility wise. Uh, we went all the way to the finals, and uh, we ran into uh, Kevin Regan uh, from who ended up going to New Hampshire. It was a Boston Bruins draft pick goaltender. And uh, Joe Pavelski, <laughs> who has a, you know, yeah, an awesome career, and, and many more. A lot, a lot of really good players on that team. But um, we ran out of gas. They beat us in the finals, and we lost in the Clark Cup oh. championship. So that you know, but but as you know, is those are what what you learn from, and you know, I probably learned a ton because we had success in Pittsburgh. I mean, it would have been it would have been two story book going winning North American League USHL and going to college. Um, it was one of, one of those things I think our whole group had to learn from. You right, know, and right. we, we had really, really good players, and and I did. I, I still have that fire in my belly talking about the story. I, I hate losing. I hated losing that. I remember being in the locker room and hearing those fans in Waterloo. I'll never forget that ever in my life. And it, <laughs> it's one of those things that motivates you because I, I took it to the next year, and I, I just wanted to win so bad, you know, so... How did that next year go for you at Denver? Did you walk right in as the <laughs> as the starting goaltender? Or I mean, I, 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 I kind of uh, know, but I want to hear your side of it. So if we uh, Denver at the time, which you you know and appreciate, is they they had a good thing going. They had uh, Wade Dubowitz and Adam Burkle, um, great goalies that ended up going on playing in the NHL. Great careers, uh, really good people. And they would they play games. You know, they were able to play. They both got in. They almost split for the most part of it. And when I went in, uh, Glenn Fisher uh, was an Edmonton Oilers draft, the goaltender. He was a freshman Burkle senior year. So my year in the USHL, Denver won the national championship. Right. And I had everybody saying, everybody was saying, oh, nice job jumping on the bandwagon. I'm like, no, 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 I committed the year before. <laughs> like, <laughs> I really didn't. And, and you know, Jay, like when I grew up in Michigan, I didn't even know what Denver was. Yeah. I didn't know the WSHA. I didn't know anything about it. You know, I knew about Hockey East, Maine, because Maine was in the national championships and stuff like that, but all I knew about was University of Michigan, Michigan State, Bowling Green, guys, teams around us, Lake State. And when I got exposed to that, 
it opened up the whole the whole thing. We didn't have the social media like today, right. you know what I mean? And and uh, so um, they had won the year before. I went in. Glenn Fisher was a sophomore, but only started a handful of games because Berkey ended up playing a bunch of games, and he won the national championship. He was he had an unreal career. I just spoke to him yesterday. He's a phenomenal person, um, and and then I went in and I played. I was able to play as a freshman. Fish and I kind of we basically split up until the playoffs, and I was awarded a chance to play more games, and and we won. It was uh, it is like I said uh, when when you get those groups and things click, and you have the right people that play the right roles, and you, you just feel that special camaraderie that we now as coaches try and create and harness and get there, but we had it. It was for sure a special group, and uh, that's a special memory. Yeah, but you caught fire. I mean, it it was a special group, and it was awesome that they got that, but you caught fire. To come in as a freshman, uh, you were MVP, right, for the tournament, for the championship? Was that the year? Yeah, I think the the MOP award, we'd always joke around. I always joke with Berkey. He was the the Frozen Four most outstanding player, but – Weird how that happened back to back. With two uh, different goalies, yeah, you, yeah, that's two. Yeah, two different kind of uh, two different seasons, but in the end, uh, same result, right? Yeah. Well, that's so crazy. So, and who did you guys win the national championship against that year? <laughs> I think you're fueling the fire here a little bit with <laughs> with Jordan, but we, you know, you know, this is this is pretty cool though, and and uh, we say because uh, I was a, I was very fortunate to be a part of the the WCHA, which has changed landscape yeah. um, because of the Big Ten. So we, what, what was it? I think Minnesota went back-to-back, and then Denver went back-to-back, and then I think Wisconsin won. I mean, it was unbelievable. It's very similar to the NCHC today, right, where they've won, what is it, five, four or five in a row last national championships. But when we when we won our year, our final five championship, was, which was the WCHA playoffs, we played North Dakota in the semis, and then we played CC in the finals, and we won our final five, which was, at that time, we were like, this is as big as the national championship because you're playing all the top 10 teams in the nation. Right. You know? And so we won that, and that was huge. Now we had a rebound and go to the regional. We did. We, able, we were able to get through the regional. And ironically, I did, you know, Kevin was a great goalie, but I did get a little retribution with him because he played for New Hampshire, and we beat him in the regional uh, championship to go to the Frozen Four, so that kind of healed the wound a little bit, <laughs> you know, getting there. And, and uh, that I took that one personal because he was unbelievable. He was the MVP of the USHL playoffs and they beat us and stuff. So we went to the Frozen Four, and ironically, we ended up playing CC in the semifinals and North Dakota in the finals. So all four teams in that regional were WCHA teams. Yeah. We like basically own we own the Frozen Four that year. So it was pretty cool for the um it was pretty cool for the conference. Yeah, that's that's unbelievable. And it was so much fun to watch and then and then knowing both you and Jordan and uh but as Utahns we were drawn to the University of Denver, not just because of its proximity, but because we only had like three players out of Utah make NCAA in the history of Utah at that point, and one of them was uh, Brian Connawalchuk, who played and set some records at DU. Yeah, and I think he was a yeah. Sharks draft pick, and then decided to become a surgeon or an eye doctor or something. So he didn't even go play in the NHL. And then we had uh, Jeff Levy, who was a goaltender, and he played at uh, New Hampshire, I believe. And then we had 
uh, one more at Vermont. But it's it was crazy because, it, yeah. you know, obviously we were Denver fans because we'd had a Utah player there, and that was it was awesome. It was fun to watch, and and you were just on fire. It was I watched you that whole tournament. That was you guys were unreal. All right, so you have uh, I want I want to jump ahead a little bit. You have a storied career at Denver. Everything goes awesome. And are you drafted by the Islanders, or are you a free agent with the Islanders? Um, no, I was a free agent. Um, I tell this story because we just had a goalie we drafted. He played for the national program for two years. Um, uh, skipped the draft this past year, and you know it's a lesson for everybody out there. Like the draft is is on. It's incredible, right? To be drafted out of however many players in the world, and to be drafted in seven rounds is, is, is unbelievable. But that doesn't mean you don't you don't make the NHL. It doesn't mean you can't get drafted within your three year window to get drafted, right? Um, and that's the reality. It's hard in the moment with guys. I've been there where I've sat with I've sat with two goalies now where they've just slipped out. They've been to the combine. They've been B rated uh, goalies in the central scouting. All this stuff. Like the reality is, when I went to the when I finished. My last year of junior hockey in Tri City, I think I was 15 or 14 of the 30 uh, North American goalies. Everybody was telling me I was 100% going to get drafted. It could have been in the last round. It could have been anywhere. And I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." And I didn't. I didn't get drafted. And I used that and losing in that championship as just pure motivation to go to college and make the NHL. And uh, I was undrafted. So after my senior year, um, New York stepped up right away and offered a contract and I was very fortunate it's uh it's a whole family process because it's so financially you know it's a it's an unbelievable investment it's a time family sacrifice and I always say that when I was able to sign a first NHL contract and play with our it was a family achievement because just so much goes into it as you know yeah for sure but uh, yep. I don't want to dwell on it too much but I want to did you ever find out why? I mean, because you were you were you're a winner, and you've won at all all levels. Did you ever find out why guys weren't taken? Why why you weren't being drafted? Was there something about? Was there something in your draft report, or was there something that that came out later, or was it just you just got overlooked? Well, I was I was late. That would have been my last year, um, so I was a little bit older in the draft. But that hasn't that didn't help. That doesn't hold them back, right? I think it. I think it may just came down to, you know, um, maybe just the technical side. They didn't think uh, maybe uh, size or the technical uh, side of it. I was sound enough to make that jump. Um, I did not have an advisor, okay. so I think that that probably hurt too. You know, because when you go there. You just had the same conversation the other day. I'm like, you got to have somebody that's in between speaking for you, just making sure the message is clear. Um, I, I, I think I think I did everything right. You know, I know my parents and I did. Like, we didn't have a bad reputation. I was always a hard worker, so it was never a character issue. Um, I just think maybe I was older, and maybe that group seemed to be a little thicker for the NHL teams, and they they went and drafted other guys. Everybody on that 30-man list, got drafted, and then there were about five or six limited viewing non-ranked ones that got drafted. So I was, I was bummed. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? I'm like, man, me. like, there it was. But, but I was, I was so fortunate. I was going to the University of Denver. Like, I was, I, I was 
I was uh, totally motivated to say I'm still going to make it. I, I still got to do it because that's that's been the goal. So. Okay, so you end up with the Islanders, and that was a crazy season for the Islanders, especially with goaltenders. Yep. Um, and you've got your GM with Garth Snow, who's you know kind of legendary the way he ran it at first, and then just with with the goalies. DiPietro was the starter at that year. Is that correct? Correct. So this was a weird. So tell me about your first experience with the Islanders, and let's let's talk about that for a little bit, and then I'll I'll tell you my version of what was going on with the Islanders because at the time the Utah Grizzlies <laughs> were the affiliate, and I yep. it was so crazy that year. So tell us about. It was uh, you go to training camp that year with the, with with uh, the Islanders. Yeah, yeah, I did the did the whole thing. So I signed uh, the first day on free agency, um, and that's like that's a fortunate thing, right? To have a team step up right away, you're not waiting and lingering. At, you know, I I had talked to them a little bit after my junior year, uh, a handful of teams, but the Islanders always were were lingering. And I, I don't know if there was a you know Dubowitz played there, and maybe they had watched Denver. They had a couple other guys that signed through there, but. Um, they stepped up, you know, and I was, I was really excited. Uh, they had, like you said, Ricky, we knew that he had some injuries. Uh, they signed Joey McDonald as the backup and then Jan Denis, um, yeah. signed a two year deal. And, you know, when I, I talked to my agent and we, you know, we had a good relationship, very black and white. And he was like, listen, go up against this, you know, Jan, the storied uh, American league goalie, great, great goalie. He's got, you know, a great contract. When you go there and you compete with him, now you're going to look at the same level or better. And that was kind of my mentality everywhere I went in pro. If I could go up against an NHL guy that was making however much money or a guy on a one-way, if I could do as good as him and then do better eventually, then I would be valued or seen as a high, you know, at that level. So I took that as a, as a great opportunity to showcase myself and prove myself. And that was my first year right out of college, I went to um, Bridgeport, and it was very, oof, I think it was like uh, first two, three weeks in, Jan went up because Ricky got hurt. Yep. And so Jan and Joe were up in the NHL, and I played uh, six, seven games, and I had a, we had a great team. Our Bridgeport team was awesome. Um, and uh, I had a great start. I think I, I was like five two whatever it was, five two one or whatever and had really good numbers. Um but I was like like to be honest, I was like, Whoa, this is this is a this is a good level. You know, I'm sitting here still figuring it out, I'm still confident, but and then all of a sudden I got the call and they called me up and this is like within the first month or two, I go right up right up to the NHL and they switched Jan and I because I think Jan had a tough start and they were like, Wow, he's doing pretty good in the American League so boom, I went up real early, and that's just the start of a, basically me being a human yo-yo for the entire season because it, it, it turned into a it turned into an up and down game for a lot of us, you know. Yeah, it was so crazy. Do you how do you remember by chance how many times you got pulled up that season? I don't remember how many. I know I was up for around. I think it must have been twenty plus games that I was up for, um, started to relieved in one. Um, it, it just, I, I, Jay, like it, you, you know, from your side of things, I was, when I got to one point, so I, I, I was up, like I said, the first month and then, um, Joey, we were, we were in Boston 
And uh, this is a great life lesson. <laughs> I'm sitting there on the bench in the third period, and we're playing the number one team in the, in the NHL. They had everybody. You name them, they were in the lineup. Savard was still healthy. Kessel was on the team. Charo was young. I mean, this was many years ago in Boston. <laughs> right. Just they, yeah, they were rolling. You know, they had the whole caboodle there. So we were, I think, one of the one of or not, if not the worst team in the league. So we were one versus the last or one of the bottom teams. And Joey starts getting shelled in the third period at a sold out TD Garden, and I'm on the bench, like freaking out a little bit because I'm like, I hope he doesn't do this. And there was about like ten, eleven minutes left in the third period, and he gets scored again. It was like four or five to one with like eleven minutes left, and I'm looking to my left and I'm like no I'm not looking over at him <laughs> you know I'm like I should but I don't want to I'm like this could be my chance to play me in NHL but I don't know if I want this to be it <laughs> and I hear something I look over and Gordo's over there yelling at me let's go <laughs> you know and oh man I jumped in there and it was like I felt like I I felt like I was thrown into a, uh, a beehive you know and yeah. it, the place was going crazy I remember I made a save, and then Witt fought a guy right in front of my net, and then we went down on a penalty kill, and then it went up, over, elbow in, and I got scored on like right of, right away, and it just it was bad. I got shelled. I think I let in three or four, and they were you know it was like a couple power play goals. They just crushed us, and I was crushed. I, I went to the bus, and I was like, I just played in the NHL, but it was embarrassing. I felt like so. I let the guys down. I did, you know, everybody in my family, but I was like, but I played in the NHL. Like I, I got to remember it. And I remember <laughs> yeah. Dougie Wade came and Dougie Wade came and sat next to me on the bus. Cause he knew I was like, like what just happened? He was awesome. And you know, uh, Billy Garrett guys like that older guys were just, just awesome. And, and I got sent down that night. Oh wow. <laughs> and I was, I got sent down that night. Gordo apologized that he, you know, he just tried to make a decision to see if he could get some spark, but it was, you know, he, he said it was a mistake. I, I still appreciate him putting me in, you know, because it was the NHL and I got a chance to get scored on by Kessel and certain guys, you know. And, right, right. Um, and then, you know, not to be super long on it, but I think what the point you know is, is there was about a stretch of three to four weeks where I would go up, back up a game in the NHL. I would drive down to Bridgeport. I would go back up a game in the American League, and then I would be called up the next day, back up a game, sent down. I'd go on a road trip for two, three games, back up, and then sent down. So I barely practiced for like three plus weeks. And um, I was struggling, you know, struggling to figure out the levels because it's different. I mean, it clearly is different. The NHL and the American League, it's crisper, the shots, the uh, speed, everything about it, you, you got to adapt. You know, and I'm just trying to get practice time for my first pro year, but I'm not complaining because I'm living the dream that we all want to be a part of, right? So I was trying to hang on. My game was all over the place. I remember in the American League, I didn't have a start for now three-plus weeks. We're going on four weeks. I went to All-Star break for four days. I left my stuff back home, and I knew they were going to call. So I literally didn't have my anything with me. I'm in Florida with my cousins. They call. They have to go get my stuff at Bridgeport and fly me to Atlanta, and my bag meets me in Atlanta. And I walk in with, like, my cousin's suit, you know, and he had, like, penny loafer. He didn't dress up ever <laughs> in his life, and there I am. I'm walking. I had a cab at the front door. People are trying to give me tickets to the game. I'm like, no, I'm going to have a front row seat, you know, and I'm walking in with bags. And uh, and the guys all knew at that point how it was going. So point being, it, le- it led to the Utah experience where they – 
they brought in a goalie from Dallas to get two weeks of um, games in at the American League level because he wasn't playing in the NHL. And they told me that they wanted me to go down, go down to Utah and play and take two week, take a two week window and play games and get it together, you know, get, get games in and, and go from there. And I told somebody this the other day, I said it was the best thing that ever could have happened to go down. I, what did I play? Like eight games or something like, it was like eight or something. Games, yeah, it's, two, your, and a two. your stats say nine games, basically 92% uh-huh. save average. Yeah. Yeah, nine games in two weeks. Yeah, I remember. And, I remember. It's it crazy. <laughs> and it and it was unreal just to be able to play again. And that group was hilarious. We only had a, a certain amount of guys, and uh, I love the coaches. My time there was was awesome. I loved Utah. Everything about it. I think they did. I was there for the the pooch night where they put the yeah pooch on the pond. Pooch <laughs> yeah. on the pond, yes. I was like, what is going on here? But it was like incredibly cool. Uh, the fans are great. I got to see the uh, signatures of all the Olympians underneath. Um, what was it, Fast Eddie and Plando? Uh, there was some, some fun characters in the room. Oh, yeah. And uh, and then I tried to – I almost got in a fight the night when I was leaving. There was a little bit of a tilt in the game, and I finished the game, and, and then I red-eyed back to Bridgeport. That was it. So a couple stories about while you were here, and one, see if you yeah. remember this the way I remember it. So I, uh, I was your backup for a lot of that, and uh, <laughs> yep. and I and one day I'm like, you're, I take you to lunch. I don't even remember what's going on. I don't even buy you lunch. We go out, and uh, me, you, and my son go to lunch, and uh, yep. Yep. take you to Francesco's. Not exactly, uh, you know. I mean, it's a great restaurant. It's good, good food, especially good after practice yep. food. But you know, it's not like. But anyway, we go back to my house, and uh, I, I just remember Tegan firing up the Xbox because that's all the players that either stayed with us or whatever came back to our house. Tegan would always play them in Xbox, and uh, somehow on the Xbox, we realized that it was your birthday. Do you remember this? And I'm like, I don't. Uh, not- I I think I do now. I remember the story. <laughs> I remember being with him, and I remember playing Xbox. I remember our our time at your house for sure. But, I just don't know if I remember the birthday part. And I'm like, what the heck? It's your birthday. I just, like, I would have at least <laughs> bought you Francesco's if I would have known it was your birthday. You hadn't said a word about it. But the other we- the, the craziest thing about that is so uh, us being the Islanders affiliate, while all that stuff's going on with you're getting moved up and back and forth, and, and we're the Grizzlies are going through four or five goalies at the same time. Yeah. And literally, I'm just on the bench for like three weeks just on the bench, and then there's another starting goalie, and then there's somebody else in, and then you come in for a while. And when you came in, I don't know, I think I told you this, but they came to me and said, hey, do you want to go e-bug in uh, in Bridgeport? And I'm like, wait, what? Like, uh, I've never been offered to be pulled up to the AHL. I mean, I was in the AHL when the Grizzlies were in the AHL. I was the e-bug then. But it was just weird. It was weird to me that there was so much going on with goaltenders that like with the Islanders that they offered me to go up or maybe that was right before you came maybe that was before they signed the kid from Dallas or or brought that kid from Dallas in but I I just remember going how bad is it that they're pulling an e-bug up from the East Coast League I mean I've got like 13 14 games this year on the bench and now I'm going to go e-bug in the A it was yeah crazy it crazy a, do, do you remember the equipment manager uh, Lenny Lenny Dicas said he he helped out. Um, yeah. He helped out the Islanders. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he 
Yeah, Lenny. Lenny would prep, he would e back for Bridgeport yep. when I would get called up to the Islanders. So Lenny and I would literally pass each other on the highways. Me going up to Long Island, and he would go back up in the American League. And it was it was uh, it was nuts. It was unbelievable. That is insane. <laughs> so insane. Yeah. All right. So yeah. And then you, you know, you you get traded at the end of that season. Is that how do you end up in Atlanta? Or what? did not get signed. Did not get signed. Uh, what happened was is through all the chaos, and you remember uh, Nathan Lawson, great goalie, was with Utah. When I was bouncing up and down, Nathan got called up to Bridgeport, and he played the games. So when I was all over the place, uh, Lawsy went in and played great. And he yeah. was really good and had a great run with with Bridgie. And then when my, you know, all the ups and downs settled and I got sent back down, Laws and I finished the year out. And then I think he started the first two games and then I finished playoffs. And then they decided that summer, um, they drafted two big Euros. And then they were like, we're going to re-sign Lawson. And I was like, wow, like, great. You know, I, I was like, I, I knew that... I, my year was affected, but not complaining because I'm getting called up. I just wasn't able to manage the consistency and say, like, hey, I'm the guy, and they went in a different direction. Yeah, you're so, just a victim, uh, of the, victim of circumstance there. Right, yeah. And, and I'm like, but I still got unbelievable experience, which helped because Atlanta was another team that was in the mix. But the year I graduated, they had, I think, three goalies in their system for the minors. And they did not have a contract to offer, but they did talk to my agent and stuff. So then the following year, they were open. And right away, uh, they called, and I signed uh, the first. And once again, very lucky, you know, going, oh, my gosh, I was a little nervous because I didn't get the qualifying offer. And boom, I signed I signed with Atlanta, and I shifted over. Yeah. All right. So, and then you have a pretty good career. I, I mean, I mean, it's it's cool. Like you've got you got NHL games, you got tons of AHL games, and you got to play. And at some point, you decide you're going to retire and become a coach. And we haven't really even talked about what you're doing now. But you you go back to what's now the Chicago still. You become an assistant coach there, and then Nebraska Omaha as an assistant coach, and then Miami University last season as the head. Co- or were you the head coach? Uh, associate. It's a, a nice little uh, term to say. Ah, oh, you're a glorified assistant. <laughs> you know. So, but but no. I mean, it, it's appreciative in many ways when a coach offers that to you because you know you get um, it's just responsibility. It's just an acknowledgement for your work and obviously pay and stuff like that. So guys that are associate head coaches have um, a lot of good friends in college that have worked really hard. I I'll give a shout out to Jared DeMichael, former goalie. I, he is an associate head coach. I always chirp him a little bit because it's kind of a glorified assistant in many ways. But he, <laughs> yeah. you know, guys like that, guys like that have put in their time. They've worked very hard, and um, you know, I, I just I, I, I was appreciative of Rico offering that to me. So, so now, now you are the official head coach. You've done the. You've you're the guy. You've put in your time, and now you're the head coach in the USHL of the Des Moines Buccaneers, a team that again has a ton of Utah connections. I would say more than any yeah. any other team in the USHL. We've we've had five, six, seven players go through Des Moines, so uh, that's awesome. another team that's huge for us, including Trevor Lewis. So yep. uh, you know yep. that's our that's our flagship right now. We put our 
for for Trevor. <laughs> so, um, one of one of the things I really want to talk to you about, and something that's that's important here for Utah, and you and I were kind of glancing over what you were doing this summer with uh, with your camps, is now you're yep. a head head coach in the USHL, and we have so many players in Utah that are that are trying to get out of here now, and. Uh, I don't mean to glaze over everything that you've done because I mean you you did a ton. There was a ton from you going to Atlanta to to this point, but this is I mean we really got to pr- pick your brain here so that we can we can help our Utah right. listeners and players here. Talk to me about how you go about as a USHL coach, and because you were in the USHL for the last few years and even the NCAA. Where do you go look for players? How do how do you get guys on your radar? Yeah, no, I I, I I totally understand. And uh, to be as quick as possible, I just want to thank everybody along that way from um, the Steel, Dan Muse, my head coaches with Nashville, giving me the opportunity to be a coach, you know, and be an assistant coach and have a lot of responsibilities. Um, Gabby in Omaha and uh, Rico there in Miami giving me opportunities at the college level. And then to the, the, the Buccaneers uh, the Des Moines organization, like you said, it's such a uh, history, the uh, unbelievably decorated uh, organization in the USHL and for ownership and uh, uh, management, everything included. Like I'm really excited. And Jay, I got to give a shout out to my staff because I didn't, I did a podcast a couple weeks ago and Lidge, Lindy and Sam and everybody made of the whole crew, Paula, Rick guy and Jimmy, these guys are incredible. So, Back to the big question you're asking is, how do you get there? How, what, what do we look for? So in the USHL and juniors, we're obviously looking at those younger guys um, from these different levels, from midget hockey. There's U15, U16, there's U18. Um, there's different, uh, there, there's different uh, leagues that are, I guess, highlighted over others, if that's fair to say. Um, tier one, uh, tier one elite, um, high performance hockey league, um, different things like that. Then you got Minnesota high school hockey. So we know where the breeding grounds come from. So we're watching those things, uh, pretty, pretty intensely. Now, why I say that is, is for a player coming from wherever it is. I mean, right now there's a couple Florida teams that are popping up is they're getting exposure. They're trying to go into these tournaments and compete against those guys. So if you have organizations that do go into those tournaments and play games against these particular, you know, like you said, the honey bakes or these, these teams that have a little bit of a, a priority list of, of, of uh, teams and players to watch for colleges and, and USHL and all junior leagues do it because when you have the due diligence and the sharp, uh, detailed recruiters or evaluators, they're watching all those games. And I don't care personally where you come from. If you're going to separate yourself on the ice, you've got to go up against them, try and get into those those showcases. Now, if not, like you were asking, there's camps in the summers. There's the USHL Combine, and I think from Doug Christensen, uh, who's now a head coach in, in pro hockey, he worked really hard with commissioner when I was in the league prior to put these combines to a high level where they invite kids from all over Utah, from New York to Florida, all over. And that's one of those credible showcases where you're going to have all the USHL teams there watching you, right. um, stuff like that. And, and that's where you'll know 
and decipher potentially against like, oh, John, Johnny Two Shoes camp of you know exposure or whatever, where you're like, well, is that is that a real camp versus well a branded USHL camp or a combine or these tournaments that have the branded teams in them and stuff like that, and that that's where you're going to say, oh, I know colleges are going to be there or I know junior teams are going to be there because we're going up against this talent or this talent might be there and I'm going to put myself in that pool as well and go after it. Do you guys ever look at uh, WSHL players? Yes, um, they will be recruited. Um, It just depends on the, uh, well, one, the USHL team will look into it. I don't know. Is there a what, is there a percentage you know of in, in a draft of how many of those players were drafted or if drafted in the USHL? No, I, I don't I, know off the top of my head. Yeah, and I honestly don't know either. I know that the majority of the players that come into that league ended up staying in that league, and now now they are putting guys in NCAA Division three. They just had their first ever NCAA Division one commit last year, so I know that league's rising. But I just didn't know where if it was on the USHL radar at all, and then. I have one more question about this, is that we have teams that have gone to those uh, those big tournaments, and we've had Utah teams that have gone in and just gotten shelled 15-1 or 10-1. Right. Are those guys, right. you're still looking at those guys, though? I mean, they're, they're still going to those I games? Have, I do. Like, if they're going and they're, I remember watching uh, Tampa, Tampa Scorpions, and I really liked uh, their goalie. I liked, uh, they're about three for forwards. I watched them play in one game. They kind of hung into one game, and then they got blown out at the end. This is just an example, and this is when I was in the USHL. I was like, I like these guys. So I went back, and I found their tournaments. So when did when did this Florida team go up and play in our territory, anywhere kind of around the Midwest and stuff? And I would find their schedule, and I went and watched them again. And he was good. And these guys were good. This was a couple good pieces. I'm like, oh, interesting. Then I found out later on that they were playing two random scrimmage games versus Compuor, who ended up being the national champion that year. And they got blown out both games, like killed. But I watched those guys again, and I liked them. And I had two of them and invited them out to our Chicago Steel practice. And they practiced with us. And then from there, they got in touch with the USHL and kind of things started to go in that direction. I do know one of them played in the North American League last year and just got drafted in the top 10 in the USHL and has a college commitment. Wow. So that was a kid I saw. Yeah, that was a kid I randomly saw in one of those showcases and they got killed. You know, they just didn't have the depth, right, versus these other teams. Right, but and that's, that's what the that Utah team. teams have, right? They have one line. Right. And you, you see those guys and you, you check them off or you go, wow, this kid is pretty good. On his, on the, he was on the third line, played a hard role. But then you have that database of that player. And then as they progress and move up or move on, you'll always know or have seen them. So all you want to do is separate yourself on that paper and do whatever it takes, do whatever it takes to make sure you get, get that recruiter to see you. And then that's on them to follow up, you know, and do their right. homework and stuff like that. And you just got to keep putting yourself out there. When you find a player that you're interested in, you said you look up their schedule, do you ever look up that player's social media? Yeah, it's a good, great question, and I'll have that conversation with our players. Is when so even in juniors or in college, so college you're investing a lot of time, in, and this is the basis of uh, scholarship, right? Scholarship or spot on your team because you only have a certain amount of players and you have a certain amount of scholarships. Oh, I'm definitely going on their Twitter, making sure things are checking off. They're not being obnoxious or 
you know, misrepresenting themselves and in juniors will do the same thing. Um, it's just a bigger pool and it's a draft because you don't know if you're going to get that kid at that particular draft in the USHL, um, where college is your, your, picking, recruiting, and hoping then they pick you back, right? So there's a little bit of flip side to it. College definitely looking through all their social media stuff just to see what they are all about, what they like, and um, in that regard. But in the USHL, if we have targets we like, we'll do the same thing, just make things, make sure things check off and they're, they're living a, a good life, you know? Right. Do you find now as a USHL coach – are you running into having to compete against the CHL now that they're paying for college down the road? Or is it an easy sell for you recruiting Americans saying, hey, you play here and now you get four more years to play college somewhere? It's always a battle. Um, what I don't understand is when, call, when and I say this uh, honestly, is I don't know how CHL teams offer the same thing that USHL and college the, the USHL and college path can because when they offer four-year college package to a player in major junior, that doesn't mean you're getting four years because anybody who signs that and goes and plays major junior, you probably want to play pro hockey, right? right. You want to go after it. You're making a decision that's taking away, just like you said, four more years of your career because junior hockey, USHL and OHL and WHL and the Q are the same level. It's the same age group. We just don't get players from the NHL that sign sent back to the USHL. They'll either play a year in the USHL, two years in the USHL, and go to college for a year or two, and they're gone. Our guys are in college, which is a higher level than any junior level. College is higher and better than the CHL and the USHL. It's a small margin, being the age smaller, uh, being younger, but it's, it's a higher level. Junior hockey across the board is junior hockey. But for them to say to a... Um, young players we're giving you a four-year education package whatever it might be i don't even know the details but when you sign a pro contract and you play a certain amount of games or you go on that's gone that's part of the the deal is when you go and pursue a pro contract you lose your education package right so if you're going to pursue it you you're you're going all in and then you might end up uh, a year or two, and then if you're about to expire, they end up at this, a CIS, a Canadian institution, and go play Canadian University, and that's very good. There's some awesome uh, universities there, and hockey's pretty good, um, but it's nowhere near the level of the NCAA. It's not the same exposure. It's not the same level of players, and some of the educations are up and down, but um, it's just a, it's a route to me that is riskier, uh, higher end players, they got the path. They know they're going to go. They know they're going to do well. They know they're going to be drafted and signed. Okay, but other than that, you are limiting the time you have to develop, and you're not giving your, yourself a sure shot for education. Because if you pursue it and you go play three, four years in the American League, you're three, four years away from anything educationally or job wise. Right. And you got to hit reset. You got to hit reset again. And how old are you at that point? I got to go back to school or I got to start working again. And you got to start at square one. And, um, and that's the reality. That's that's great insight, man. That's great insight. That's one of the things I've been saying. And and we've got players here. uh, We, for the first time in in our history, we've got players that are playing in the, in the dub and that are making it in those leagues. And, and it's great to see him. And you know what? Maybe not all college or all kids want to go to college. Maybe that's not on the writing, you know, right. for a lot of kids, and that's fine. And the dubs and that's amazing hockey, and it's great to see it. But uh, 
Man, it's it's just been amazing having you on the show, and your insight is is so needed here. And I just we're out of time. I got people lined up outside the studio ready for ready for their sessions. So <laughs> I gotta get I gotta get going. But man, I I can't tell you how much we appreciate you coming on the show and giving us your insight. And uh, once you play in Utah and you you were with the Grizzlies, these fans still still know who you are and they still follow you. And we're all rooting for you. And good luck in Des Moines this year, man. I, we're gonna be watching and rooting and we're hoping that pretty soon we get a couple more utah players out there with you i, I love that and i just want to say thanks to you because you've been a great friend and always always keeping in touch throughout my career and that, that means a lot and uh and i agree once i went there and was a part of the grizzlies i i just felt a, a part of it i always remember the stories and and the times there it's, it's a great place it's a great fan base and I, I wish uh, from youth hockey all the way up to pro hockey in, in Utah that uh, players continue to work hard and go after their goals, and hopefully they're, they're Buccaneers one day. Yep, that's what we're hoping. We're on our way up. Uh, Peter Menino, uh, <laughs> awesome guest, and uh, once again, good luck. And uh, for everybody else, we'll be back again next week. That is the Utah Puck Report.